0: Here we are. Back here, again. Back again. The funniest thing. 30 plus episodes in, we just figured out that we can move the microphone so we don't actually obstruct each other's yeah. view. It's really nice. Ryan told us we couldn't do it. And here we are. 30 seconds later. We have later, defied
1: the laws the laws of of mankind, physics, humanity. Anything is possible. Anything.
0: If you believe you can achieve, we just proved yeah. it with these microphones. I
1: was just sitting there. We had the microphones up and I I I just adjusted and I couldn't see you and i was like oh this sucks can we not can we just invert the arm joe you ever dealt with a can't. friend and he's like that thrift cheap friend you ever oh. had to sell
0: something to a person like that
1: see i don't sell shit to friends i think it's the worst the worst oh man i have no problem selling
0: to to friends cuz i'm willing to be reasonable i just expect them. I just but hate my it. cheapskate friends that try to do business with me i mm-hmm. fucking can't stand it part of my french I got to tell you a bike
1: story. Oh, here we, the bike, the bike story.
0: So we'll give this person an anonymous alias, Freddie Wicks. (laughs) Love the guy. Not
1: going to say his name, but it rhymes with Freddie Fix.
0: Love the guy. However, he is notoriously tight-fisted with his money. Yeah. And this is why he does okay and everything else. But here's the deal. He offered, he said he wanted to buy a bike that I have. Sure. I've used this bike, this bike two times.
1: Okay? Which is a whole story in it itself. It sat
0: in my garage. It's in good shape. I've only used it two times, ever. And it was like less than an hour it's had written on it. He offered me $400 to buy the bike. I think I paid close to 700 for it. Okay? Like, and I just sure. said, sure, no problem. Come by, pick it up. Well, no, I have to deliver it here. Well, I'm like, okay, if I remember. But anyways, come by, pick up the bike. Well, then you know, a month goes by, he circles back, and he says- So he never, he, he never picked up the bike. He never picked up the bike. He circles back and now offers me $300 on the bike that he offered me 400 for. <laughs> the bike still hasn't been used. It's sitting there. Now he's trying to grind me for $300 now for the bike, and he sends me this freaking Canadian tire ad for this other type of bike, which has nothing to do with mine, some cheaply built China bike. And he's like, "Oh, it's on sale for three hundred ninety nine dollars. You know, I could go get that." I'm like, "Well, go go get it." But he's sitting here grinding me on a bike that he asked me to buy that I was already giving him a buddy deal, and and I just said, "Sure, fine, four hundred bucks, no problem." Now he's trying to grind me three hundred dollars. So where does it stand now? So where it stands now, I is is I blast him nicely, but I'm like, "I, I I can't even do it. I cannot deal with this guy when it comes to this. Like, I just don't. I don't negotiate with terrorists, is what I said last. I do not negotiate terrorists with Terrorists and them. therapists. Those are the two people I'm I don't negotiate with. And he's now dealing with my wife on the bike. So oh, I guess my he's God. Been by. He took the bike for a ride, and he's like, oh, I don't know. Like, this is a $400 purchase. I'm like, you know, you got to have better things to do in life than overthinking a bicycle purchase. My goodness. You know,
1: here's the thing, and I think that there's... I love you, Freddie. There's telltale signs of how people sort of are in life. Never trust a Subaru driver. Yeah, I know. Never, I know. It's you know what again? People who drive Subarus are you're, they're a different breed. They're a different breed. And Freddie doesn't even have like a WRX, like an Impreza. He's got like a Forester. So you know that's going to come with its own set of of challenges. So I love the guy. I'm with, I'm at the gym with him every He's like, like every brother. day. But we like, all dude, love him. You
0: don't do this to friends. Because
1: but I will say, I would
0: never do that. Think of all the amazing things. That we've done together in our lifetime, how many mm-hmm. bills I've picked up, you know. He's like, Hey, I really want to go to EXP con. Uh-oh. Oh, who's footing the bill on that? Well, Freddie, you, my friend, are gonna be footing that bill. Now. Except
1: except for the hotel room.
0: Right? If I start if I start if I start nickeling and diming you the same way you are on this bike purchase. Well, guess what? There is no EXP con in your future, my friend. <laughs> and uh, certainly not going to be spending any money to go above and beyond to do anything for you, right? So here's the take. We Last episode, we talked about being a taker. Freddie's a giver in a lot of ways. He gives a lot to our, our clients, our company. I mean, he's a great guy. Don't get me wrong. But Freddie, you got to stop being cheap, especially with your friends, my friend. Okay, you got to loosen that up a little bit. If you want more to come back to you, I promise you, you're going to get more by being abundant, than you are by squeezing and nickel and diming. You save dimes, but you trip over dollars. Love you, pal. Just pay the four hundred dollars for the bike if you want it, or don't buy it. Either way, I don't care at this point. I'd rather give the kid to a bike or to the the kid the bike to a kid who needs a bike than sell it to you for any less than four hundred dollars out of pure principle. You are grinding me on a deal that you already offered me. It just doesn't make any sense.
1: Makes zero sense. And we'll say again, love Freddie to death. Freddie is closer to his money than the queen, and she's fucking on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and listen, this guy's always had money. Ever since grade eight, Freddie's always oh, yeah. had money and savings. Yeah he's he's I've picked up a lot of bills he's not quick he's not quick to grab the bill let me tell you no. i've picked up a lot of bills in our life does he does he do the, does he do the wallet it's Macarena? probably a, a 90 a 90 10 ratio on my, in my favor so like the least you could do bro is not nickel and dime me over a hundred dollars on a bike please because i promise you i don't forget these things i don't forget is that things. a promise now it's a promise i don't forget these things so
1: next time i won't be as freddie jealous. if you're listening to this Go grab four one hundred dollar bills, eight fifties, and just just buy the damn just bike. Just
0: buy the bike or don't. You offered it. You wanted to buy it. There it is. So, anyways, let's move on from that. But please, don't don't nickel, don't, ask for, don't nickel and dime your friends. That's
1: the last people that you should do that with. Man, wow. What do you want to talk about, man? What do I want to talk about? What I want to talk about is time management. Yeah, that's a big one.
0: I think a lot of people misunderstand the idea of. Saving money. So here's the deal you have to understand that your time is worth so much. So if you're in an industry that's commission based, your the ceiling is endless of what your income could be, right? However, Mm -hmm. the problem is this if you're doing a bunch of tasks that are twenty dollars or less or twenty five dollars or less tasks, you are then limiting your upside, right? So every time that you're adding things to your plate that could be done by somebody else. For a lot less money who would do a better job than you, you are stunting your growth. And I did an audit recently. So one of the things that I've been teaching some of my students that are ready to add leverage, they're looking to add their first hire outside of an assistant. Well, what I've suggested is that they create a mentorship opportunity for an agent to join the industry. And I think our industry does need an apprenticeship program. It does. So what I've done is I've had them do this and I'm anybody listening, you can do this for yourself. I said, what's the average amount of time it takes to work with a buyer, for example, from start to finish? If you were to take 100 buyer deals, Mm -hmm. on average, what's the amount of time that goes in from creating the opportunity to closing it? And let's just say that it's about 40 hours. That's the average amount of time that you would put in to transact with a buyer on average. Now, there's going to be some that are a lot less and some that are more. We're talking averages, okay? Okay. So if you think about that, what percentage of that time is you in the car, out there showing properties, mm-hmm. doing a lot of that work? Well, let's just say that it was 35 of those hours. Okay? Not, Fair enough. Not unreasonable to think that yeah. that would be the case. Well, if you found a newer agent that had great people skills, you taught them how to work with buyers, obviously taught them your buyer process, You taught them how to do proper consultations. You got involved in that and you worked clients together. So imagine this, Mm -hmm. you're like the surgeon and they're like the registered nurse. You offered that agent a salary plus a bonus structure, say 10% on deals that Mm -hmm. you close. You give them, I don't know, 36,000 a year salary, maybe all the way up to 50,000. Maybe offer them a little bit of benefits or something, right? Yeah. You give them an opportunity to learn and how to work and service clients with you. Well, now you could take and save 35 hours per client. Well, if you're somebody doing an average of 50 deals a year, Ryan, do the math on that. 50 times 35, what would that be? 50 times 35. Can't be done. 50 times 35. You've just saved 1,750 hours a year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so if, again, if you were doing 50 transactions... And we found somebody that can handle 35 hours on the average per client, took that off your plate, right? If you just did the same amount of transactions, but now I've just freed Mm -hmm. up 35 hours per transaction, which leads to about 1,750 hours. Now, if you take that, I'm saving you what? Like almost two and a half weeks a month, two and a half weeks a month of your time that I've just saved you. Do you not think that you could go and create a whole bunch more business? Mm -hmm. Do you think you could service more clients? Do you think that you could add more people to your organization? Do you think you could create other business lines? Of course you could. Now, the nice thing is there's a nice value exchange here. The person that you're working with is getting reps and an opportunity to cement themselves in the industry. They're actually getting paid to learn and get experience, right? And this could be a two-year apprenticeship program that you run for them. Maybe it's 12 months. Maybe it's three years. Maybe... This is somebody who doesn't want to be a rainmaker. This person's happy and content making between $80,000 to $130,000 a year in a role where they have more stability and security and they don't have to be that big rainmaker. Either way, though, as the team leader, it makes financial sense because your hourly rate just went up exponentially Mm -hmm. because the amount of time that it now takes you to do one transaction goes down significantly. And there's ways you could run this. You could run this by doing consultations jointly with your right-hand person, talking about your process and how you work together, right? You can be checking in throughout the process. If there's a second showing that needs to happen, you can show up for that. You would be handling a lot of the negotiations pieces. You could Mm -hmm. be doing some research and being helpful, right? But again, the bottom line is a lot of that grindy driving and door opening, which again, for somebody might be an amazing job. They would love that. Some people love showing properties and would be completely content doing a role like this. And, and they're making excellent money. So again, it's a very fair value exchange. Not everybody needs to be the surgeon. Not everybody wants to be the rainmaker. But if you're that position in your organization and you found that right hand person, you could take on way more clients, do way more business, make more money, and have more time freedom. So there's a tip for you guys. If you want to you know, really start maybe building a bit of a team, start with salary plus commission type Mm -hmm. position be selective of the people that you bring on but together you could work the client files and that'll make a big difference and you can do that on the buy side you can do that on the listing side start start thinking about what's your time worth versus you micromanaging every facet of the transaction which is only going to
1: reduce the amount you make per hour two things that come to mind compounding effect look what you could do with that time go from 50 deals to 100 deals to me that's number one And number two, that leverage play. That's so huge. Cause how many agents are actually doing 30 plus deals and it's like, wow, like I'm sacrificing everything. Like I got, there's no gas in the tank. I haven't hung out with my family on a Sunday in three years. How many birthday parties have I ruined or Christmases or New Year's or whatever, man, because you're running around thinking that you're saving lives. Well, you're not, you just don't have the right leverage. So that's that, that that's a huge play.
0: Yeah, the support that you put around you is super important. There are people that want stable, secure employment, don't want the stresses of Mm -hmm. having so much volatility from month to month. And a lot of people are completely content doing that. You're not taking advantage of anybody. You're creating an opportunity. Remember, 86% of people are going to fail in the first two years of real estate. If you could create a paid apprenticeship program, there would be hardly any failure rate as long as people did the right things. And, of course, that you kept doing the right things, which are more... Business development, more prospecting, more mm-hmm. marketing, right? The things that are
1: going to generate more opportunities. So what about this? Let's say somebody's like, you know, Jason, you're on to something here. Yeah. Where would you suggest people go to find those new agents? Yeah, so good question. Obviously, talk to your local MLS boards.
0: They're going to have a list of new agents that have just been licensed. Right. So that's probably a good place to go. You could be running ads. Mm-hmm. You could be talking to your local networks. Get involved with some of the new agent training, right? Through your MLS, through your real estate council. There's a lot of different ways to do that, right? But I think ultimately, the more you put yourself, your brokerage will have a list. They'll know some of the new agents. And believe me, there's plenty of new agents that would love mm-hmm. to ease into the industry and get lots of experience And having a, like somebody who's more experienced hold their hand, be there to support them, and to handle the tough stuff, the negotiation, so the deals are getting through the finish line. Because what happens is if when you put deals in the hands of somebody who's a rookie, they're going to make a lot of mistakes, which are very costly in real estate, right? If that deal doesn't come together, there's no income. So this way you can monitor that and over time, allow them to start writing some of the deals and you can monitor a little closely. But what you're doing is you're buying your time back. You know, we were having a debate this morning and you're like, well, you leave at two 30 some days, right? Cause we ball bust each other. We I-
1: break a lot of balls.
0: But here's the deal. I've bought some of my time back by putting qualified people around me, and I pay them well, and I take really good care of them. But that then allows me the opportunity with mm-hmm. that time to go and spend it with my family, also to go and create other businesses, right? When I was actively in production, we had one one income line, which was our commission income through our real estate team. Since exiting production, we've added seven lines of income now. We've been able to create another seven-figure company. We've created a global organization which brings in passive revenue that people share in. that we're building and growing. We're now building a global syndicate. So there's a lot of amazing things I've been able to do by freeing up my time. So the smartest thing is, is if you're like sitting there and you're like, well, I'm a perfectionist and I do everything better. Well, look in the mirror and realize that you're not as good at everything as you think you are and you are a bottleneck. If you want a better life, you need to empower people around you trust them make sure that you connect on a proper values level and that you have the same kind of relationship that you and i have joe which is there is no sum of money that could buy this relationship no sum for Mm me 10 billion dollars wouldn't do it 100 billion a trillion none of it matters because my relationship with you is not for sale those values are important we go down, we go down together. We, we do. We go up, we go up together. And that's the same with people around here like Jackie and Jamie and Freddie and Caitlin and Ryan and all these amazing people we surround ourselves with. And there's plenty of other names that I'm missing. But the point I'm trying to make is you cannot buy those relationships. The values aren't for sale. You need to find people that agree with that. Love is there it. a security? Is, is there a level of like confidence and security you have in like being like, hey, honey, we're going all we're all in with this like this is like where I'm going like does it give you some confidence knowing that like
1: no matter what I'm here yeah absolutely because it's all about who you go into battle with right you and I we've been charting unknown territory for four and a half years now together so at this point I don't know what I would do if I was actually comfortable if I was comfortable I'd probably be I, I would be scared I find beauty in that level of discomfort Right, but I'm uncomfortable with my closest friends. Like I make money with my friends. I think that's kind of how I've I've built my friendships. Right, because we go to battle together. We feed our families together. We have a vested interest in elevating each other. So for me, you know, I I find confidence in being uncomfortable, which is the most brilliant thing. But yeah, man, I wake up every day fired up with what we do and and who we do it with. Definitely love it. So
0: guys, evaluate your time if you need. A time audit, we have a a time audit document that you guys can use to help you figure out where should you spend more of your time Mm -hmm. and what should you remove off your plate. But the more you get off your plate, the smaller your scope of expertise. And if you focus on the highest return on your time activities, that's how you make huge breakthroughs financially. Really, really important. And then surround yourself with the right people that have the right values and just take really good care of them. Make sure you don't nickel and dime dime them, please. (laughs) If
1: you're going to buy a bike, buy a damn bike.
0: Yeah. Just like, just do do right by people. But if you squeeze people, man, I promise you, you're going to have, there will be nothing there coming back to you in the long run. It's Love just it. not worth it. Great advice. Have an amazing day, everybody. See you. Peace.